This is Lisa Loeb, and you're listening to Your Morning Coffee, the podcast with your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Weekly music news for the new music business. From MRC and Billboard, welcome to the MRC Data Year-End Report. From Music Business Worldwide, a complete list of absolutely everything the music business needs to fix or get rid of in 2022. Almost. We've got so much to talk about with this year-end stuff and all kinds of cool things. This is episode number 74, in case you're counting, and it is the Your Morning Coffee podcast. Stand by for transmission. This is London Coffee. Wake up! The revolution is at hand! Your Morning Coffee is on the Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news for the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated, and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. Now, from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Okay, Jay Gilbert, top of the morning to you. It's good to <laughs> see Good morning. You. We are Good kind to of see now you, my friend. really in 2022. I mean, this we're we're grinding it out and back to work, yeah, yeah. and it's time to it's just time to start start the year and talk yeah. about music and all yeah. kinds of stuff. And the football yeah. season is winding down, and yeah, last week, yes, last it week is. Of, well, the regular season, yeah. And what an amazing week in music news. We'll jump into it in a minute, but some amazing things, and then. You know, I've had some really good conversations you and I have been talking about that I want to share with the uh, listeners. Um, one is um, last week we covered this really great story uh, from Shirley Halperin from Variety called Year of the Drummer. Mm-hmm. And it really, I mean, if you haven't checked it out, it'll bring a tear to your eye. It was just such a beautifully written piece and so many great videos that accompany it, which I think is really great when writers will include videos and audio in their stories to, you know, kind of help you get through it. Anyway, I had the pleasure of having lunch with Shirley last week, and we had never met before, but it was like it was like a couple of old friends. And it's like yeah. when you and I get together on our regular kind of lunches, we just pick up where we left off and we start talking <laughs> about music, and we could do it literally all day long. And yep. that's what it was like uh, with with Shirley. We just talked about music, and it was just a wonderful lunch, and it was just the highlight of my week. And we're going to cover a story uh, today uh, from Music Business Worldwide, and the gentleman that wrote it is based in London. And I reached out to him, and I was trying to get a call with him prior to this show, uh, but we couldn't get our schedules to align but um, for next week, uh, he and I are going to talk on Wednesday, 
and we'll get into his piece in a moment, but one of the best pieces I've read Absolutely. In years. It is so great, and it is so um, thought-provoking, to say the least, mm-hmm. and it's really a, a, a great piece, and it kind of puts a lot of things into perspective. You know, it's... Uh, it's a fresh it's a fresh take on lots of things how's that <laughs> it's i i can't wait i can't how's wait that? and you and i were just talking a second ago about uh, a, an interesting thing that happened happened this last week which was they finally shut down if you had a blackberry you yeah. were done but when we uh, we were both at universal around the year 2000 when blackberries were introduced and how revolutionary those things were you know to people in the entertainment business certainly to us in music and it was only it was only that but about what about seven years before the iphone came out but uh if you're a student of history you'll know the it was it was theirs to lose absolutely actually and they they lost it you know much like aol and other companies that tech companies you just they were just on top of the world and then they were not and right we are looking it's back. It's tough. It's tough to evolve, and very few companies are like Apple that can have a hit with a product and then keep innovating and have other products and and all of that. But uh, I loved my BlackBerry. I remember um, the first one was kind of smaller, and then the second one I got was kind of the, the full-size one that you got used to later, and it was it was amazing at first, but as you and I were talking about, um, it was really great until it wasn't, you know, That's right. we didn't realize we were now on a leash and exactly we could right. get messages, um, you know, 24 seven and it, it was quite addictive. And we did, and we did get yeah. messages 24 seven. And, and that was the competition essentially, which is, okay, it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm just going to check my Blackberry before I go to bed. And yeah. I'm going to show my boss that I'm on it, and I am working, and I'm I'm somebody to be trusted, and I'm going to respond to that email, and it it, yeah. it changed the culture for better or for worse. But it, you know, we also it 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 shows at, in this. You know, we talk so much about the new music industry and all of these gigantic companies now, um, and some of them may not be around when we have these conversations in five or six or yeah. seven years. And it seemed at the time that BlackBerry ruled the world just like AOL did. And those companies are gone completely almost. And, and, yeah. and, it, but it, 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 if you at the time said, yeah, BlackBerry as hot as it is, is going to be just an afterthought. You, you would have said, what, how is that possible? And yet they're gone now. And yeah, so, MySpace, Pledge Music. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's, uh, you know, history is uh, littered with these innovative companies that either didn't evolve with the times or the times moved on without them. But one of the things my old boss, Bob Schneiders, used to joke around about was he'd say, if you don't show up for work on Saturday, don't even bother showing up on that's Sunday. Right. That's right. You know, and, and I that's heard that Blackberry. Is, that yeah. was that's right exactly. And that, that was the line I heard about working for Disney <laughs> at the time. Which was, there you go. By the way, the guy that I certainly get to uh, chat with every weekend and we as we talk about these things is none other than Jay Gilbert, the curator of the Your Morning Coffee newsletter, which you have to know by now is weekly music news for the new music business and a former executive with Universal Music, Sony Music, and the Warner Music Groups, and a man that likes his ch- kid-sized vanilla shake. By the way, <laughs> no cherry, no That's whipped true. cream. I'm just saying. Oh, thank you. Don't, oh, don't, 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 don't make me ask you twice that I don't no, want you, the whipped cream or the cherry. 
Mike knows me so well. We're like an old married couple. We finish each, finish each other's sentences. <laughs> uh, the gentleman sitting across from me is uh, Mike Etchart, longtime host of Sound and Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, Capital EMI, and Universal Music. And he has so many great stories. Before we started recording, we, we talked about some Rick Rubin stories. And, man, you're going to have to share some of those on, on the show as we move forward because uh, uh, they're quite amazing. <laughs> Indeed, and by the way, we got to thank our sponsors. <clears throat> excuse me, as we uh, get to do these shows every week, and we are so appreciative of the folks that help us do that, including uh, being sponsored by TiVo Music Metadata, which is dedicated to bringing order to the chaos of digital music. TiVo Music Metadata offers obsessively deduplicated artist album and song IDs, expert-written editorial content and ratings, verified images, weighted deep descriptors, similar artists, band members, and influences, authoritative credits, personal. Personalization, discovery, and search APIs, purpose-built solutions for classical music, and a global connected car platform linking broadcast radio with streaming. To learn more, jump over to TiVo.com slash music. As Jay and I mentioned, we have been fans of TiVo uh, for yeah. many, 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 many yes. years. Love those guys. Your Morning Coffee podcast is also brought to you by our friends at Bandzoogle. Built by musicians for musicians, Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform, and it makes it really easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in. Hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Your Morning Coffee podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com, try it for free for 30 days. Just use the promo code MORNINGCOFFEE, all one word, Morning Coffee, and that'll get you 15% off your first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com, promo code MORNINGCOFFEE. And we are also sponsored by HypeBot. Since 2004, HypeBot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends in technology that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It is edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Owen Davis. HypeBot and sister blog Music Think Tank are published by live music, music discovery and marketing platform Bands in Town. Bands in Town. Over 65 million live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. The number one artist services platform connecting over 550,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. You betcha. TiVo Music Metadata, Bands, Zoogle, Hypebot, Bands in Town. Man, oh, man, oh, man, we sure appreciate everyone's participation and help in yeah. getting this out the door every week. So thanks yeah. to all of them. So, Jay, let's put our floaties on and jump into the pool. What do you say? we got <laughs> so much to talk about. Uh, let's do it. MRC and Billboard, the year, the data year-end report. MRC data year-end report. And, oh. man, this is... There is so much here. <laughs> it's the best. It is. I mean, I had so many conversations this week. Uh, everybody loves this report. And for those that don't know, MRC is the artist formerly known as SoundScan back in mm -hmm. the day, if you've been around a while. But MRC is, you know, the platform we use uh, for point of sale um, information, you know, sales streams, downloads. They even have some uh, radio information. And we we look forward to this report. Um 
it's it's just so interesting to see how this business is evolving. So we're gonna we're gonna jump right in. We can't cover everything in this because it would take all day, but we're gonna give you some highlights of you know how the music industry is is trending right now. What were some of the things that uh, you noticed, Mike, that kind of jumped out at you? Well, my goodness, the the catalog consumption, shall mm. we say, unbelievable, and and it is only getting um, more. Uh, more dominant in terms of what people are listening to. And certainly there's a lot of new music out there, but boy, there is just the catalog. Uh, yeah. The numbers in catalog are dramatic and, and they are growing. And meaning, of course, that <clears throat> when you when you look at, at the amount of time people are spending listening to uh, to music, a huge percentage of that is catalog. Absolutely. And, and it's up almost 25% year over yes. year. Which is yes. massive, 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 massive. I mean, you, both you and Jay and I both worked in the catalog divisions of various companies, and so that is really near and dear to our hearts. And that's you know, we when we talk about um, and and of course this year has been the year of acquisitions of catalogs, and we you know I mean just this last week it was the you know finally the 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 deal was done apparently for Bruce Springsteen's catalog and John Legend's catalog and all yeah. of these people that are that are are selling that. and that's of course catalog and the you know you have to you have to maintain and nurture catalog artists and catalog content because that is the value of so many of these companies and it's such an important yeah. thing but boy it is and we were talking before we got on as well about Ted Lasso and the uh, if you haven't seen Ted Lasso it's certainly worth watching so fantastic good. series um, but the music in it is fantastic and and I there I was sitting there I'm like oh I, I've heard the song what is the song I have my uh, I've got Shazam out and you know these are they they, they whoever is doing the music supervision for that is fantastic Brilliant. But, um yeah. you know all so again we swinging back around to this the catalog is so dominant and the other thing that jumped out at me again is when you look at at the how, what percentage of certain demographics are 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 listening to streaming music um there you have it like you know stunning numbers in the 55 to 64 and the 45 to 54 numbers that people are people are have bought into streaming they love yeah. it and it's 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 across the board and we're spoiled yeah, not just the young people right it's, no you know it's uh older people have adopted streaming um more and more and, and to your point you know if you're 13 to 17 year, years old you know the it's 73 percent of that group that have adopted streaming and about the same for 18 to 24 um when you get to 25 through 44, it's about 64%. Um, but I was really surprised at uh, 45 to 54, 57%. But a moment ago, we were talking about catalog, and they have a really cool chart in here about the most popular independent albums. Mm -hmm. And nearly all of them are catalog. And MRC designates catalog as anything 18 months or, or older, right? Yep. So the here here like the the top five um, releases uh, for uh, independence, um, Queen greatest hits, Bad Bunny, Morgan Wallen, uh, another Bad Bunny, and then Creedence Clearwater Revival. So I, I know that vinyl is driving a lot of this now when it comes to uh, catalog, but I thought that was kind of surprising that these the top independent albums were really 
catalog albums. And I was surprised that Queen is on that list. I mean, is uh, Queen? I, well, well, you know why it's an indie is because it's put out through Disney Music. Disney, right? Which is technically it's not owned by Universal; it's distributed by Universal. Yeah. So it's yeah. considered a distributed label and an indie. But even isn't it? We e- think of Disney e- Music as right. And I guess this is just U.S. So, so I think for the rest of the world, it's still on EMI slash Universal, right? It's just here in the states that it's on. That's sort of an indie, but in, and and the same thing with Credence. I, it's uh, the Credence catalog is with um, uh, the company whose name I'm just forgetting. Um, <laughs> they're down at Beverly Hills, but anyway, yes, <clears throat> it yeah. is. And by the way, the fact that Queen is is at the top. Um, that is still, in my opinion, anyway, a, a, a remarkable um, h- how the the uh, the movie has influenced the consumption of Queen. You know, a, a fantastic movie. We're still talking about that two and a half, three years later. Yeah, and pretty remarkable. So, um, yeah. but you know, when you look at sixty-five plus, thirty-five percent of them are listening to streaming music. That is pretty amazing more than a third of people over 65 yeah, 38% right yeah absolutely that's a lot yeah yes, it really so is crazy. so let's take a look at um their on their i think it's page 5 they have the year and metrics and there are a couple of things jumped out at me one just us total album consumption is up 11% now they list on here album TEA and on demand SEA well what is that well, TEA is track equivalent albums. So mm-hmm. you know, the ratio is, you know, like one equals 10, you know. So for every 10 track downloads, uh, even though downloads aren't really uh, prevalent like they used to be, um, every 10 track downloads equals an album sale. But here's where it gets interesting. SEA, streaming equivalent albums. The Billboard 200 includes two tiers of on-demand audio streams. Tier one is the paid subscription audio streams. And that equates to 1,250 streams equal one album. 1,250 streams equal one album in paid. Now, on the free or ad-supported version, that's tier two, it's more, right? It's 3,750 streams equal one album. So when they list here, oh, there was 800 million, you know, albums sold in 2020, that includes these equivalents, right? So U.S. total albums... Uh, including these equivalents, up 11%. On-demand song streaming was up 10%. Really great increases. Um, U.S. total album sales and track equivalent albums uh, up almost 3%. U.S. total album sales, physical and digital, um, up 6, 6.3%. So we're seeing a lot of these increases across the board. I think the ones, you know, you had mentioned catalog, which really got people talking because that was almost 25% up year over year. Yep. But also just physical, you know, just, uh, you know, CDs and vinyl. And of course, most of this is vinyl went from 68 million to almost 83 million. That's up nearly 22%. Oh, wait, that's Stunning. physical. Yeah, that's yeah, physical yeah. album sales. And if you look at just vinyl taking out CDs, it went from 27 million to 42 million. That's up 51% year over year. That's an, a ridiculous jump. And it's still so stunning that we're talking about it. I mean, in the year 2022, that vinyl is unbelievably still rocking it. And a, a, a 51% improvement and increase over last year. Just when you thought last year was rocking, which it was, here we've got this number, and it's for, you know forty one point seven million 
albums. Man, oh man, oh man. And you and, and again, I talk about this. This is on top of having all the issues of, right. you know, being able to fulfill and the capacity at the, you know, pressing plants and the materials that you and I talk about all the time. Even yep. with those problems, we're still seeing this. I wonder what those numbers would be if we didn't if, have those issues. Absolutely. It would be remarkable. And where it's going, you know, can it continue with this torrid pace? I mean, I... <clears throat> I, I wouldn't have said it could have, um, and yet here we are talking about it. And of course, like we've talked about as well, we're talking we're not talking about like a thirteen or a fourteen dollar purchase. We're talking about a twenty five or a thirty premium or a forty dollar yeah. purchase. So, you know, this is this is substantial income and gigantic numbers. So it is yeah. really dramatic how how uh, how we're talking about the new music business, and yet we're yeah. also talking about. 41 and, and change million sales of vinyl records. <laughs> Such a just weird the US. We're, you know, we're, yeah, we're just course, talking just about the US. US. On page six, the headline is the three G's of music, generations, geography, and genres. Mm-hmm. And a couple of things that I thought were really interesting in here, they list the countries that have the fastest growing streaming. Yeah. And those top five are Japan, Colombia, Poland, Turkey, and the UK. And what strikes me about Japan, um, that market is is so interesting to me, and I, I learn a lot about it. Um, I have a friend who um, is Japanese and works with the Japanese music industry and, and uh, different companies named uh, Goshi Wanabe, and we just had a conversation this last week, and it just really fascinates me how different Japan is from other markets. They have some charts in this report um, that show like for example where are rock fans and they look at the percentage of music listeners per country that listen to rock music and what you find is that there's two types of music you know in rock there's the western english language rock and then there's the local language so if you're in japan meaning japanese and in japan it's one of the only markets that is you know really kind of low as far as the percentage of people who listen to rock, it's probably the lowest of any of these uh, territories that they list. And it's primarily local repertoire, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So when you're putting out music, um, I think you need to think about other territories and not just English speaking. And just really quickly, you know, I worked at Fox Home Entertainment for a couple of years and it was all international. And we when we built websites and games and materials we did what's called uh, localization localization absolutely yeah it's just basically not only translating it to their language but using someone who knows how their grammar you know how that vernacular is and do it properly how they would speak Absolutely, it's not a straight translation. It's it's all right. kinds of other things, and it's same thing when I worked in the, when I was a video games producer. We would do localized versions, and yes, exactly. What's interesting, by the way, about Japan, of course, being one of the the number one fastest growing uh, audio stream country, largest territory, uh, is that it's still a huge physical market. So they are still consuming lots of CDs, of course, lots of vinyl, and so. But yet here they are on the list. So it's coming, and you know, it's a little later. A little yeah. later, but it's coming exactly. And then you have some interesting other cu- countries on this list, including Turkey and Colombia. And so you know, it is this. These you know, we tend to think of the big territories when we are you know when you're marketing music, and as you should, you know, what are the 
you know, you've got the U.S., you've got Western Europe, uh, you've got Japan. But here we are with much, uh, you know, countries further down the list. Yeah. But again, it's taking off. And it's it just goes yeah. to show you also how much room for growth is still in these other territories, without a doubt. Right. And there were some countries that were early adopters. Obviously, the Nordics with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Spotify being based there were right. early adopters into streaming. And I think, I don't know the exact number, but I think it's north of 80 uh, Tower Records locations uh, yes. that are still in Japan. Yep. Which I find fascinating because I used to work at Tower Records, you know, when I was younger. And, you know, it's not the same uh, Tower Records uh, as it was, you know. Uh, but uh, I, I would really love to go shopping in a, you know, in a Tower Records uh, store. But, of course, with vinyl um, having its resurgence, um, with people actually creating cassettes, I've been That's seeing right. more and more cassettes lately. Absolutely, yeah, crazy. Um, it's yeah, but, without a doubt. And then you, when you also on this list, so you're talking about you know besides these larger countries, some of the smaller countries that are also seeing growth, including including Cyprus and Greece and El Salvador, Guatemala, Bolivia. So you're again, you're seeing this starting to fill in everywhere, basically every country. And yeah. you know, do we ever talk about Cyprus? Not really, but but it's. You know, again, it's filling in, and and these are, you know, and when you're marketing music, who knows? You might have a a a hit, a Cypriot hit, and that's that's an area where you can grow. And so, a fan is a fan. A fan is a fan. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, one of the one of the things they dig into in the U.S. is geography and and genre, and -hmm. this has always fascinated me that there are certain uh, markets that are stronger in country in certain markets um that are stronger in rock we call them a dma designated marketing area mm-hmm. right so let's go through a couple of these so for country music the top five markets um are what is that presk presk isle yeah i guess I heard of that i haven't either i should google that that's number one for country music uh number two is zanesville ohio um, number two is Quincy, Quincy, yeah. Illinois. Uh, guess, yeah. Next one is Glendive, um, and the next one is Great Falls, both in Montana. So those are the top country markets. I would have thought Nashville, Austin. Yeah, and Nashville. You know. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and not so much. And the rock one, I mean, take a look at the rock one. The top two ones are in Michigan. That, that was a bit surprising. Yeah, and Missoula, Montana, Bend, Oregon. Yeah, it's it's so. Actually, well, three, you, three. Uh, well, wait, two. The top two uh, are in Michigan. Alpina and Marquette are in Michigan, and then you mentioned Missoula, and then Butte, Bozeman in Montana. Who who would have known that those are the the top rock markets in the United States? Well, and and in dance electronic, you know, the obvious candidates on here: L.A. and San Francisco, New York. But the number one sure. market is. Denver, Colorado. <laughs> what? It's just now. I would have thought, you know, if they had a a category here for jam bands, I would have thought, okay, Denver, yes. Boulder area. You know, they own you know the jam bands, but I wouldn't have thought dance electronica. To your point, I when I think of that, I think of New York and and L.A. Yeah. and San Huge Francisco. Huge club scenes. Yeah. Yeah. But no, <laughs> you would be wrong. Uh, but yeah, I mean this. The, but when uh, we've we've mentioned big champagne so many times on this show, but this goes back. So much of this is is reminiscent of when we first started seeing really concrete data like this, and how remarkable it was, and how it just busted so many myths 
about where things were happening and what you know who liked what and where and all of these things. And this is just more things on top of that. Just things that yeah. kind of just head scratchers, you know? You yeah. would you would remember, make these assumptions. But remember so when bad. SoundScan, which is now MRC, when SoundScan started in ninety one, um, it was a shock to the industry because we were measuring what was actually selling. Mm-hmm. And up until that point, country albums really weren't on a lot of these charts. They were underreported. And then when that started, we started seeing country artists, you know, like debut at number one. And the same thing, you just mentioned Big Champagne. And for those that don't know Big Champagne, they measured um, peer-to-peer file trading, things like that. So for the first time, we could kind of see what people were, you know, putting in their music libraries and what other things they had. It was really fascinating, and they broke that up by DMA, Designated Marketing Area. Um, Eric Garland and his team over there had this amazing service. And so we could, I remember working for record companies at the time, we were looking to them to see what the next single should be instead of asking folks at radio because we could see something, a track from an album that was being traded like crazy and we would use that data and use that as our our next single. It was just a crazy time. And to your point, when you look at the the actual data, there's always surprises in there. Oh yeah, always, absolutely. But it's it, it just keeps you on your toes, and you know, it just goes to show you that you know we all have assumptions and we all have kind of beliefs of what things are where, and yeah, they're often wrong. <laughs> But now we can just look and open up these reports and see what's selling where and all of these wacky trends and demographics. And it's yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's a wonderful time to be marketing music and marketing artists and developing artists and songs. And it's yeah. stunning. Stunning, yeah. stunning, stunning. Times. They talk about uh, the decade of vinyl resurgence, you know, from 2011, you know, where it was less than 2% of the business to last year where it was over 50% of the business and outsold CDs. And a lot of that has to do with those guys over at Record Store Day. Mm-hmm. And they have a really cool um, kind of chart here from Record Store Day where, you know, it started in 2011 and the weekly vinyl sales, so when they first started, was about 165,000, which is still pretty good for 2011. Yeah. <laughs> but fast forward to uh, in 2021, there were two uh, what they called record store day drops. Um, and combined, it was like almost two and a half million, you know, yeah. up from 165,000. So they show the growth every single year. And you can just see that that chart just climb and climb as record store day really helped this, you know, decade of vinyl resurgence. And it's been, it's, it's such a huge deal now, you know, it is, it is, it is so gratifying to see something that was such a grassroots uh, concept and, and, and event. And it is just, it is such a huge event now that people, we market around. And when you see these numbers though, it is crazy. Great. I, I, again, I couldn't have imagined no, uh, you know, we'd I be couldn't. talking about numbers this big. It's no. just remarkable. No, and you look at the share of total volume by format and genre. This is always interesting because you kind of get a, the perception that certain genres are huge um, because they have hundreds of millions of streams. Like, like Latin music, for example, if you look at some of these Latin artists, you know, they don't have tens of millions of streams. They have hundreds of millions of streams. Yeah. And I would have thought Latin music 
would be bigger, but total volume, it's, it's, you know, uh, 5.4%, you know, of, of the business. What surprised me was how, how much bigger uh, rock was than I thought. R&B and hip hop is number one at about 28%. Number two in the U S is rock at 20%. Mm -hmm. And that's well over the 13% for pop and country's only around 8%. That, that really surprised me that it was, was that low in the U S me as well. Absolutely. And, and Latin at 5.4%. Um, so yeah, it's, but again, the numbers are what the numbers are, Jay, and that is the yeah. way it rolls. So yeah. uh, we have that. It's it's. Uh, I would have expected Latin to be low, given how, how how basically you know the the Latin market is so gigantic and so worldwide. Yeah. I would have thought. Of course, this is U.S. Um, but still, That's right. it, it, it it's it was a smaller number than I thought, without a doubt. Yeah. You know what they do in here? I, I know you can see this, but for those who can't see what we're looking at, they also take those percentages and they break them down by genre of, you know, how are people listening to this music? Is it, you know, video streaming? Is it on-demand audio streaming? Um, you know, there are a few digital downloads still around, more so in, you know, Latin music, for example, Almost ten percent of uh, Latin music is from digital download, and that's I the know. highest of any genre, which <laughs> is crazy to, to me. I don't know what to make of that. That is so interesting and strange. Yeah, and then you look at physical albums, and this doesn't surprise me at all that jazz music is, you know, the highest uh, genre for people to buy physical goods with. That's over twenty-seven uh, percent of what's sold in jazz is sold. Physically. Yeah. Um, so, and you, you would know that things like classical would be high. You know, that's 13.3% is physical. And then, of course, you look at Latin music. That's the lowest. It's less than 1% of what's sold in Latin music is physical. And I found that super interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just, again, you, uh, it's worth pouring over all of these numbers and just getting a sense of where we are in the U.S. And it's... It's so fun to look at these lists at the end of the year and go, wow, I did not know that. I did not think that. And there it yeah. is, all for the world to see. And uh, one of the most important things you can probably download this week is to get a chance to go look at this and, and check out the trends and check out what's going on. And, of course, there's a big yeah. section in here talking about the sales of catalogs, like we've been talking about a lot. And yeah, a lot we're just of skimming to, the surface. Yeah, you're, totally. you're absolutely right. This, this report goes way deeper than what we're covering and you don't have to be a data scientist to understand it. It's so beautifully put together um, that you can look at these charts and graphs and just get a sense of the trends just by looking at it. But I highly recommend you you download this. Uh, there's a link in your morning coffee. And you can use it to inform your decisions about you as an artist, manager, label, distributor. Um, it's just it's worth its weight in gold. Just really well done by MRC and uh, and billboard and again you know i will say it one more time we live in in wonderful times when you've got this much you know you you've you've always been a data man and you know it was never so many of the things that i know you would follow in the day when there was not as much data as there is now was hard to track down you know here we are you can just open up the your morning coffee newsletter and go right to the link and put it print it out and kick back and look at all of this stuff and take it all in and it's 
not only is is the the plethora of data fascinating and interesting and inspiring, but it's also just the ease with which we can access it. It's it's yeah. remarkable. So it's crazy. Absolutely worth checking it out. Well, let's jump up to the next story, or jump over, I should say. Uh, this was one of our favorite stories of the year, if not the last several years. It's from yes. Music Business Worldwide. It's a complete, there's an asterisk by complete, list of absolutely everything the music business needs to fix or get rid of in 2022. And the asterisk is almost. So it's a it's a complete almost list, or it's an almost oh complete goodness. list. This so, you're right. Th- this piece was written by Eamon Ford, yep. um, longtime in, uh, music industry journalist. He wrote that book, The Final Days of EMI, Selling the Pig, which I didn't. New... I got to get that, that book. By the I got to get that book. Uh, oh, I'm I not too. familiar with that. Yeah, I yeah. wonder if it's available here in the states. I mean, I'm sure you can get it still, but, well, but I was not will, aware. We of that. will track it down. He's got a new book, uh, Leaving the Building: The Lucrative Afterlife of Music Estates, and we've talked about that a little bit yes. on uh, on your morning coffee. But uh, let's go through this thing um, because this, as you said, this is probably the best article on the music industry that I've read in in the last five years because it covers some obvious things, but it covers a lot of things that aren't super obvious. But it also talks about things that we don't often talk about outside of our meetings um, Mm -hmm. that you don't really see in the press a lot. And and plus, Eamon is such a great writer. I mean, his opening line cracked me up. He said, fans of chronology will almost certainly have noticed by now that this is a new year. (laughs) <laughs> so that kind of sets the tone, you know. So here are 22 things, and we'll go through each one of these. Here are 22 things the music busy, business really needs to stop doing or fix before the calendar flips in 2023. You want to kick it off? I do. Stop trying to make things, in quotation marks, go viral. (laughs) Rather than this being a joyously serendipitous byproduct of marketing, it is starting to feel like the only setting. It utterly misunderstands or more appositely, I can't even know what that word is, does not care about the curious and unpredictable ways things hit hard, hit when they are in the wild. If you are actively manipulating its DNA, it stops being viral and instead becomes void. And how many meetings have you been in? Where they somebody yeah. just says, "I just need a viral hit." Well, yeah, yeah. no kidding, really. Or yeah, yeah. or they'll say, you know, um, on a call, a Zoom, a meeting, you know, we need this to go viral, or we need a viral video, or we need uh, this thing on TikTok uh, to go viral. And unfortunately, you don't choose what goes viral. You know, um, the masses do, and sometimes it's uh, it's crazy frog. Sometimes it's baby shark. You don't know um, what's going to go viral, what's going to hit. That's the beauty of it. It can't be manufactured. So number two, absolutely no one wants your terrible NFT. (laughs) Sadly, all of them, 99.9% at least, were diluted mediocrity. To rework the great Peter Cook line, I met a man at a party. He said, quote, I'm minting an NFT. And I said, oh, really? Neither am I. So <laughs> we don't need to spend a ton of time on this. But, uh, you know, at the, at the start of 2021, no one knew what an NFT was. You know, and by the end, it's, he, as he says, it's rare indeed that the person in music who, ha- who hadn't minted one of these or at least pulled out most of their hair trying to understand how to mint one. 
<laughs> Number three is artists need to stop being obsequious around DSPS, meaning, of course, we say, or I think he meant DSPs. Uh, and at the end, it says, bowing and scraping before the might of these platforms really is vulgar and undignified. Plus, it trains them to expect only. Uh, the other thing, by the way, about his articles, he uses very large words. <laughs> He's the got a good uh, vocabulary. He does. Uh, sycophancy from musicians. Have a bit more self-respect. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I love that line. This, this is so important. You know, um, this being, uh, you know, obsequious, you know, which is, you know, being excessively obedient or attentive to something it, to DSPs. You look that up. <laughs> oh, I did. Are you kidding me? I, you did. <laughs> I knew you. kind of what it meant, but I wanted to see how Absolutely, it was phrased. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, it and, and it's so he, he says something here, and I've I've seen this a million times, you know. Uh, you know, it, he says it, it it stinks up social media every Friday. I I love the way he puts that because, you know, when a DSP adds a new track by, you know, to one of their playlists, quote, thanks, name of DSP here for adding my inevitably terrible new single to boring playlist and that's true you see that every single friday hey and and they tell you to do that the distributors tell you to do that the labels the dsps say you know when you're added to one of our playlists you know give us a shout out drive traffic to it so his point is something that we don't talk about often um, but i think it's really important um, it says no more than 5% of your social media output should be sales messages. Look, it used to be an 80-20 rule. Then I was talking with, you know, Katie Guastini over at uh, Blue Biscuit who does social media. And it's really more of a 90-10. And he's taking it even a step further to a 95-5, which is, you know, inform, educate, and entertain. Um, you know, it's really about having... A relationship and a conversation, not buy my album, see my show, buy my album, see my show. So I completely agree with number four. Yeah, number five is stop paying lip service to mental health. This is a very serious one and very important. He says, yes, it is great that this is all being discussed publicly and that the well-being of musicians and staff members is now a topic of conversation rather than a topic of shame. Loudly proclaiming that you are listening and that you really care is one thing, but it's somewhat undetermined. It's, it's somewhat undermined, I should say, when musicians are expected to do endless promotion and find the time to make content for some half-baked marketing idea or when staff already working 12 hours a day are told they need to put their shoulder to the wheel just a bit more. Your hollow platitudes become shrapnel in a war of attrition against them yeah God, nothing, uh, nothing about mental health nothing bad about it. i mean we love talking about it and uh you know supporting uh, those um but i, I love what he's uh, saying here that you know just just shouting about it you know isn't isn't enough and number six ties into number five which is employ more people you know it's related to the point uh, above you know people in the music industry right now they're because of all of these layoffs you know when we've switched from kind of physical to digital there these people are doing the jobs of two three four people and uh his point here is employ period more period people period and i couldn't agree with that more well and that's not only in the music business of course that's actually in the in the economy in, as a whole and um yeah it's an issue you know people are in kind of hearkening back to our talking about the the uh the, the blackberry you know it's just in general, in the economy, 
work now is every waking hour in many cases, and yeah. that is not healthy at all. Um, this is a real. The number seven is really a, a, a fascinating head or yep. heading, which is releasing music is not an automatic entitlement to make money. We he have this conversation mu- regularly, but go but go ahead because I think this yeah. is really important. He says most musicians today do not make a full and comfortable living from music. This is no different to 30 years ago or 200 years ago or 1,000 years ago. The economic odds are stacked against you. They were always stacked against you. Sorry. Just because you make music, it, it, it does not follow that you can or even should roll in clover. <clears throat> Which I think he was, you know, roll in the cash, I think is what he's saying here. Yeah. Even, even the House of uh, Medici had limits on how much art it could support. And that is a really interesting uh, concept and... Super important, yeah. which is Very, yeah, just because you're cranking it out doesn't mean you should be making a ton of money. Look, th- this business has like a 93% failure rate, um, and you have to manage expectations. So that is really important. Number eight, stop conflating a passive streamer with someone who would, in the olden days, have actually bought your music. Hearing music and caring about music are two very different things, and the former does not automatically lead to the latter. Um, we, we talk about this regularly. Um, just because you've got a lot of uh, people listening to a playlist doesn't mean that they're engaging, that they're going to buy your merch, go see your show, and so on. Absolutely. <clears throat> Number nine uh, should be in all caps, which it is. Uh, pay artists and songwriters better. Really, do it. Whatever you are currently paying them is not enough. And I think right. we all we'll can talk agree about, on that. We've been talking about that a lot lately, and that hopefully is going to be uh, changing soon. Um, number 10, but know that an increase in payments is still not going to fix deeper problems. You know, if listeners do, or I'm sorry, if listeners do not flock to the artist in sufficient numbers, any royalty increase is going to be like throwing an ice cube into the wildfires of audience apathy. Uh, I thought that was a very good point, too. Right. And, and then this one is, is, a, is kind of a, uh, a very funny one. Number 11 is most of you have no business being in the metaverse. You never cared about the metaverse before summer of 2021. You never even cared about gaming before. You were the worst kind of uh, arrivist. I don't even know what that word is. Arrivist. yes. You are. How do you, follow, how do you <laughs> fellow kids? You are Kirk Van Houten sleeping in a racing car bed. Stop. You are only embarrassing yourself. And, uh, right. you know, yeah, it's, it's, it, there are certainly people in the industry that want to jump on all these trends without really oh. knowing and understanding the, con- the context right. and how Tokens they Tokens and so. NFTs and virtual yeah. worlds and all of these things. Number 12, finally have the guts to increase subscription streaming prices. Amen. Amen. Yes. You know, uh, a monthly subscription to a streaming service still costs about, you know, $10, pounds, euros, whatever, the same it did 20 years ago. And 20 years ago, you could buy a whole house for $10. <laughs> he also said, stop jacking up the price of vinyl, especially limited edition versions of vinyl that sell for, in this case, 40 pounds or $40 or more, when just five years ago you couldn't have paid people to take them off your hands. You're treating your fans like spendthrift fools. Yep. Number 14, watching TikTok is not the same as A&R. <laughs> right? Uh, Remember Sea yes. Shanty TikTok? You know, that was only the start of 2021, and yet it feels like eight lifetimes ago. Um, I know that a lot of people uh, watch TikTok for A&R, and I can mm-hmm. see it as they sign artists. Um, but, the, uh, you know, being famous on TikTok does not a career make. No. Um, 
except that all <clears throat> this is also another interesting concept except that not all musicians are making great art and that huge clumps of music released today is not great art yeah and he said and that's okay honestly it's fine number, yeah number 16 no box set should cost over 100 pounds dollars euros and we'll, we'll just uh, leave it at that. There you go. You know, the 17 is also very interesting. Stop seeing record labels as solely the enemy. Sometimes they are awful. Of course they are. Welcome to capitalism. But sometimes they diligently and very quietly save the artist from themselves and their worst excesses over and over again. It pays to yeah. remember this from time to time. And that is so true. Uh, it's easy to yeah. bash labels. But the best labels, when they're doing their work, they should be doing... Um, they you know, develop they, they, talent. They, develop. they break Absolutely. artists. Um, they take it to another level. We've seen it. We've worked in the major label ecosystem uh, for many, many years, and they do get bashed um, for you know the revenue uh, that they generate. But I, I love that point, number 17. Number 18 is you forfeit the right to complain about how little songwriters get paid if you are complicit in normalizing a world where 20 songwriters are brought in to craft a hit single. It's just arithmetic. We, we, <laughs> right. we, we did talk about that. There was a, a study done uh, last year where they looked at the top 100 and looked mm -hmm. at the number of co-writes. And I think the average was north of four, like 4.5 or something like that. And that was just the average. Yeah. So, And especially now with interpolations, you're going to see six, seven, eight songwriters on track. So uh, to his point, it's just arithmetic. It really is, yeah. Uh, this is a this is a very important one, number nineteen. Stop making verbose excuses for a lack of diversity on your conference panels, festival bills, and instead spend that time and energy doing something to fix it. You can start by not releasing a lineup announcement that proves absolutely every negative thought about your detractor your detractors have ever thought about you. It's like <laughs> locking all the doors and then crying that no one came to your birthday party. Yeah. Um, yeah, we still have in our industry a lot of work to do in this. Uh, well, I can tell diversity. you that there are people that are working diligently to fix mm -hmm. this. For Absolutely. example, you know, I'm a member of the Music Business Association, and um, there was a call for panels, and I put in you know, my submission for a panel at the next Music Business Conference, and you have to have diversity. And they have some rules now about, you know, what, what topics are being covered and that you have people of color and that you have females and it is diverse, that it's not just, you know, four white guys up there talking about their company uh, to generate interest in it. So there, there is some progress um, being made. Um, number 27, pay for things. You know, if people in the music business always, you know, blag free tickets, subscriptions, et cetera, then don't expect anyone else to pay for things. Lead by example. Support the arts out of your own pocket. And you know what, brother? Mm -hmm. I do this uh, for my artists. I buy their merch. Um, I buy their physical goods. Um, and I do that. And sometimes, I, you know, I've had artists say to me, like, no, just, you know, just tell me what you want. You know, I'll just send it to you. It's like, no, uh, it, it starts at home. And Absolutely. I want to support them. It's not uh, a ton of money. And especially, you know, since they've been staying at home for a couple of years eating sawdust, it wouldn't kill you to buy one of their shirts or their CD vinyls, something uh, to support them a little bit. So that, that one, number 20 is pay for things. <laughs> 21 is go to concerts with uncynical people who don't, in quotation marks, work in music. And catch the support act. And he says, try it. You might enjoy it. And it's I so think true. that ties you know? into 20, you know? Yeah, I, it really does. Absolutely. And then the last one is, 
keep digging for that thing that will change your life again. If you work in music but are not finding at least one new act or new record every month to get ridiculously excited about, then you're probably no longer fit for purpose. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the thing I love about the music industry. It's not just a new developing artist that you discover. Uh, every once in a while, I'll discover someone that I just missed. I just did, you know? Absolutely. And sometimes I find it through you know, uh, DSP like Spotify doing Discover Weekly or Release Radar or something like that. Um, sometimes it's just a playlist where there's something on there and I go, what's that? I missed yes. that. You know, like yes. a couple of them that um, just in the last year, um, I had missed Teddy Swims. And uh -huh. I heard it on a playlist, fell in love with it, um, went and, you know, binged on all of the recordings he had put out. Uh, same with Haley Witters. I had, I had missed her. Somehow went by me. Um, so, I mean, you can't, you know, there's, you know, what is it, close to 70,000 tracks uploaded every day to the digital service providers, and they have, you know, over 70 million tracks and growing. You, you can't be familiar with all of it. So that's why, you know, friends, word of mouth, um, playlists, and just that music discovery is still very important. I, and you and I are similar in that when we find a song or an artist that we just we just can't stop listening to, we will put that track on repeat and repeat. And I'll go to the gym and I'll listen to maybe just two songs in a 30-minute treadmill you know, thing because I just want to crawl into those songs. When, when you hear a new song that just, you just, it's... It's it's magical, and and we all want that, and that is the most fun thing to do. And so, uh, I think well, I asked you this. this list. Yeah, I, think I asked you this before, but I think we're similar in that when we find something uh, new, like a a new song that we just uh, we love, that we'll listen to it five, ten times in a row. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> no absolutely. apologies. Yes, and then sometimes you'll go back to a song that you were like, you know, you loved two years ago, and you're listening, and like, wow. I mean, I've listened to that song 60 times, and I don't remember that tambourine part. You yeah. know, you'll, you'll hear something new, and something will just catch your ear, and then, then all of a sudden, that's all you can hear is the tambourine part or whatever. Um, yeah. Oh, there's just, yeah. It's, I find it's that when you get in there. that um, immersive audio, you know, the Dolby Atmos, yes. I'll hear things that I never heard before, which is amazing. But also in bands that are really good musicians. Like, I've never listened to a Ramones record and say, oh, I never heard that before. And there's nothing right. wrong with the Ramones nope. at all. But if I listen to, you know, Steely Dan um, or Toto or The Accidentals, where you have these higher level musicians, and there, there's more layers to that onion as you peel through Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and as we've talked about, when you listen in immersive, uh, it's in many ways kind of reverse origami. You know, you are... When you're, if you know how records are made, you know you 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 make it like a layer cake, and then you squish it down to a stereo mix. Well, when they're doing immersive audio, they're 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 bringing out all of those other things in multiple channels, and so you can hear everything that the with the care that was taken in the studio, and that's yeah. magical as well. So, so. before we finish up here, I wanted to, I, I just wanted to mention someone really special to me that passed away last week, um, and she was such a big part of the music industry and everybody loved her. And sadly, uh, Lisa Roy uh, passed away last week. She was a, a dear friend. I mean, she introduced me to the accidentals and, and many others. Um, and there was a really beautiful piece I put in your morning coffee called Lisa Roy remembered. And I just want to re read you a couple of sentences. If you'd never heard of 
uh, of Lisa Roy. Um, this will give you a sense of this wonderful p- person. Uh, it said, Lisa adopted dozens of roles, studio manager, artist relations, record label, audio education, studio design, marketing, promotion, event planning, tour management, advertising, hospitality, and everything in between. Before settling into marketing and public relations through a longtime partnership with her dear friend, Robbie Klein, and the establishment of her own Rock and Roy Entertainment. Um, I first met her over a decade ago. Um, She was managing Billy Bob Thornton's music career, and I did a couple of records with Billy Bob, and she was a force of nature. She did everything um, from marketing. She was calling radio stations. She was a a force of nature, and most recently... um, I did a little work with uh, the immediate family. And if you don't mm-hmm. know the immediate family, look them up. Uh, some of the best uh, musicians, Danny Korchmar, Leland Sklar, you know, Russ Kunkel. I mean, some of the best musicians to ever uh, pick up an instrument. And she was working very closely uh, with that uh, band. Um, but uh, she's going to be sorely missed. And I just wanted to just do a little shout out for uh for Yeah. She was a lovely, lovely woman, and in interestingly, really kind of uh, straddled the recording, mu- the recorded music industry with the professional music industry. And so she had a big presence at NAM, the big musical instrument trade show, and worked with a lot of those Awards. companies. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. And uh, and I met her through I, when I interviewed um, Alan Parsons, and so she was involved in in. You know, he he put out a really great DVD package of basically you know how to how to work in the studio. And so she really was super hands-on on on many different areas of the music industry, and it's it's hard to believe that she's gone. A, a sweet, sweet person, and yeah. and I never met her in person. Talked oh, to her really? on the phone, no, and, and she was one of those people when you connected with her on the telephone, you may have been talking about whatever you were going to be talking about, and then you would just go off. And yeah. she she really knew tons of people and knew the business, and again knew the professional world as well as the recorded music world, and. She Boy. was a class act, and she will be sorely missed. Absolutely. I want to say thanks for listening in today. We certainly appreciate it, Jay and I. And we know you have many choices out there in the world of podcasts, so we appreciate you joining in with us every week. And to that note, we will be back next week with episode 75, Jay. And so join us then, will you? And we'll be back. It is the Your Morning Coffee podcast. You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news program for the new music business. Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.